Welcome to Mums in the Making. Storm's grappling with the realities of being a new mum. And Rachel is currently pregnant. And neither of us has a clue what we're doing. And it would appear that neither do any of you. This week on Mums in the Making, we talk about the unusual ways that nesting can manifest itself. I feel like I'm transposing all of the nesting energy onto growing 10 million plants that we'll have to transport to the new home. We also talk about the unconventional ways we stop babies from crying. You can keep them happy for like two minutes by clucking in his general direction. Like a chicken, like No, well, like that kind of noise. Just some of the drawbacks of carrying twins. Pelvic dysfunction, back problems, diastasis rectile, like lots of things, not to mention utter exhaustion for a month. And Rachel is concerned about pregnancy amnesia. If I ever talk about having a second child, <laughs> I want you to send me episodes 1 through 12 of this podcast. Okay. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Things are looking up now. Uh, the in-laws are here, so <laughs> <laughs> pressure is off slightly. Uh, how are you? You know, when you ask someone, you ask someone how they are, and their positive response is really unconvincing. <laughs> that was exactly what that was. <laughs> you had, yeah, good, good. It's like asking someone, at, asking someone at a funeral. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, staying alive. Yeah, great, great. Which actually, when you're at a funeral, is uh, is, is yeah, good. Yeah, it's a bonus. Yeah, it's a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no. Well, I know that we're trying to be very honest in this podcast, so I thought I would give you a honest response. And actually, all things considered, I I am pretty good. The latter half of this week has been better than the first half. But anyway, we'll and get to that. Um, is that due to the arrival of the, the in-laws as helping hands? Yes. So in-laws are a dream and um, I wish I had more of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh. like supplementary parents that Kara's been hiding his whole life. Oh yeah, I do have a daddy, John. And Steve. Yeah, but alas, uh, we are limited to two. Although I think, you know, Kerr would consider polygamy purely on the basis of adopting <laughs> more in-laws to help with the baby duties. Um, obviously, no actual third person in our relationship would be acceptable. But if grandparents wanted to join in... <laughs> Childcare reasons only. 100%. Um, how have you been? How's the baby-making process? Yeah, good. Actually, an honest good. I'd say last week felt more of a stretch. There was definite movement in the sense that things were... (laughs) My uterus was uh, expanding very quickly and I could feel (laughs) it and that was making me grumpy and sore. But this week she seems to have rested a little and she's enjoying the new space that she has booted for herself inside my body uh she is apparently a large banana uh she looks like she looks like a bunch of bananas she looks like the whole goddamn banana tree but she is a singular large banana at 21 weeks but last week she was a what was she last week a melon a grapefruit a great so she's I stretched like... out now she's gone fully fully flat rather than be balled up 
I don't think a banana is a good analogy, and I'll tell you for why. <laughs> Anyone that has been to the supermarket to purchase a banana knows there is a huge difference in size. Like an organic banana, for example, much, much smaller to the genetically modified banana, yeah. which can be huge, yeah. sometimes the size of your head. I mean, she feels huge. And also in the process, <laughs> I discovered a new vegetable that I've never heard about because obviously different sites have varying foodstuffs that they compare your fetus to so i had <laughs> i had to google and it said um i think it was an ateev do you know what that is <laughs> no <laughs> i'm gonna google it so that i get this right but it's like a big leafy thing oh well now i know exactly what it is thanks for that <laughs> i mean i obviously being the least domesticated person i know uh struggled to identify it but another site said that it was a large carrot and also varying in size Mm -hmm. like you can get tiny little short carrots you know the little squat ones and then you get the Mm -hmm. funny shaped ones and then you get the giant ones you know that one giant one in the bag yeah i just don't know what (laughs) that's that's my gal (laughs) that's her She's the one that you set on the scale, and the scale just <laughs> collapses to the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, like, you're scanning it through Tesco, and it's like, that's not a banana bit. <laughs> Stop trying to get away with shoplifting. <laughs> Whatever it is you're scanning, that is not the weight of that thing. <laughs> so what are you growing this week? Uh, oh, yeah, good question. I, I, to be honest... <laughs> Sounds terrible, but now that she's giving, my body is feeling better. I've taken some time off thinking about what's actually happening in there. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, stop giving me a hard time. Um, but yes, I probably should be attention to that, shouldn't I? Um, uh, let's see, what's it telling me that I'm making? Oh, so it's <laughs> she's learning to suck. This oh. Week. And she'll do this in readiness for mealtimes once she's born. <laughs> At 21 weeks, your baby will be gaining weight. <laughs> Join the club, little one. <laughs> like, that's not that impressive. This is the least impressive week of her fetal development. We're all getting fat. Uh, but this point, by this point, she'll weigh more than her placenta, which was previously heavier. Uh, so... And I have to take more vitamin C and try probiotics. Are you still taking so, your vitamins pretty regularly? Is Sandy still chasing you around? Oh, yeah. He's, he's militant. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How is the second trimester feeling? Because I have to say, looking at you, I can only see you through Zoom, and you are very lit by some sort of light window box thing. Yeah. Uh, it's the soft glow of the Annie's Land evening outside. Yeah, it's really... Well, it is working for you. You look <laughs> great. You're literally glowing. <laughs> I have, I have like a ghost. So you were telling me that you're, you feel like your motherly instincts have kicked in. Well, for different things, <laughs> rather than for my unborn child. I mean, I'm pre- pretty attached to her as well, but I've just been going like hell for leather on my plants. I'm just like getting quite obsessed <laughs> with... Like the propagating of my plants, I had some pepper seeds that I put in some soil. They started bursting, and basically, it was like giving birth. <laughs> I was like so proud at the development. So, yeah, minor maternal <laughs> instincts or the giving of life. 
is bringing me joy this week. Um, and I can only assume that's what other people get when they start nesting and start, you know, building their home and making it all pristine because I'm unable to get settled properly until we move house in a couple of weeks. So I feel like I'm <laughs> transposing all of the nesting energy onto growing 10 million plants that we'll have to transport to the new home. So yeah, that's that's what's been happening this week and keeping me distracted. Because I feel no, like... That makes perfect sense. Because I remember when I was at your stage of pregnancy, I got really into like bird feeders and putting <laughs> feed out for the birds because I wanted there to be more birds in the garden when Otis was born so that he could sit and watch them. Oh, that's cute. And does he? No, and there's no more <laughs> birds in my garden. You, birds are smart. Once the food stops being there, they're like, nah, I'll go somewhere else. Nesting is a funny thing. And it can manifest itself in lots of different ways. Hello, Storm and Rachel. Um, with regard to nesting, I didn't really believe it was real when uh, I was pregnant. I thought it was a sort of an old wives' tale. But you'd better believe a couple of days before arrival of my first, I hit the Tupperware cupboard in a big way and uh, sorted it all out. But the even more intense one I did was I defrosted our unbelievably overfrozen freezer and then went on a kind of 48-hour mad cooking jag where I cooked everything that could be frozen into two person portions and restocked the freezer with that, for which my lady self was uh, grateful. So if you're considering nesting or you think that's imminent, try to position yourself for the cooking because, boy, that one was useful later. I was pregnant at the same time as um, a couple of my friends and one of them particularly was in, she nested in, a, in a, an awesome way. She was making jam, she was making pastries for the freezer, she batch cooked for months ahead. Um, she, was, she was living her best life and I was really looking forward to that happening to me and basically all I ever did to nest was buy two 24 bags of multi-packs of crisps in the supermarket and that was me nesting. To say my husband was disappointed was, was an understatement. Hi Mary here. My nesting story is I was eight months pregnant. I was up a ladder with a paintbrush taped onto the end of a pole to paint a ceiling rose which was different colour from the actual ceiling and it was driving me nuts, so I had to do it. My husband was nowhere around, I was on my own. Afterwards, I thought, what a stupid thing to do. But I felt great afterwards, because it looked good. Most people, when they nest, um, you know, buy beautiful things for the nursery, cuddly toys, hang things on the wall. I decided that the most relevant thing we could do is rip up our drive and put eight tons of gravel down. Turns out really difficult to push a buggy through eight tons of gravel. How about you? What's your week been like? How's the new dental regime coming on? So the new dental regime is great and Otis is, is still pretty good with it. He's he's brushing his teeth. He's quite happy doing that. Um, but he's been just so unbelievably grumpy this week. He was grumpy last week in Aggie and it's just got worse and worse and worse. And the beginning of this week was so stressful and so horrendous you would feed him he doesn't want fed you change him he's annoyed he's being changed then you sit and play with him you can't find a toy to settle him and he just gets really upset 
You can keep him happy for like two minutes by clucking in his general direction, which for some reason makes him smile. Like a, like a chicken. Like, like a, no, well, like, oh, like that kind of noise. Like a, yeah, it loves like it. a horse. Like a Snoop Dogg song. Oh. Is literally the song that I sing to him and he loves it. I actually played it and thought, mm, these lyrics are so inappropriate for a child and quickly switched it off. First word, boo. Second word, bitches. Yeah, not ideal. They are really not progressive lyrics, so I wouldn't advise it to anybody. I quickly switched it off thinking I'm a terrible mother. But, it, but he loves that noise. <laughs> Can I ask how you came upon that as a remedy for... <laughs> You're just going through the back catalogue of like misogynist hip hop and rap and hoping something would so stick. So you will be surprised at what songs spring into your head when you're just trying to make your <laughs> baby smile because you go through all the nursery rhymes and once you're done with that, I mean, I've been singing since Otis was a baby, Mother Glasgow, that's about sectarianism. Nestling Billy and the Tim. No, this is harsh topics to be thrusting upon a child. <laughs> I do love that song, though. It's it's a good one. Hue and Cry Forever. Yeah. It's brilliant, but <laughs> it is, um, you know, quite a heavy subject to be singing as a lullaby mm. to your child. Anyway, delighted to say that it's not just me that's been singing rather unorthodox songs to their little ones. Hey, guys, it's Paul from Surbiton. So definitely the most inappropriate song that I sung to my baby. Um when Ralphie was a few months old, I used to sing to him, na 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 na, getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it by Will Smith, and that used to get him to sleep uh, more often than you'd think, actually. But definitely, definitely uh, the most inappropriate song I used to sing to him. But he's six now, and no long-term uh, repercussions. So yeah, all good. Thanks. Anyway, we digress. So I can't overestimate how stressful the beginning of the week was to the point where I had to put him in his cot, step out of the room and silently scream and cry into my hands for about two minutes just to get it all out so I could go back because the reason I was getting so worked up was A, because I was sleep deprived and B, because I couldn't make him happy. Mm. I was trying everything. I was going through the list and nothing was making him happy. And I was just feeling like the worst mum in the world. Like, I can't do this. I just, I, I don't have the capabilities or the skill or the mumness to be able to do this. Anyway, a couple of hours after the screaming into the hand silently moment, <laughs> I had him downstairs and I was feeding him and, and Kerr was there. And we noticed he had teeth coming in. Aww. So he's got two bottom teeth, but his two top teeth have been coming in. So it had nothing to do with my mumming and everything to do with the poor guy being in just a tremendous amount of pain. Aww. And then I was landed with this awful guilt <laughs> that I'd been making the whole thing about me and my <laughs> capabilities and not really acknowledging that he might be in pain and maybe needing painkillers like Calpol or something or like uh, teething gel and things just to make things easier for him. And then I was just landed with this <laughs> mum guilt. So, it, it, you, it, you just can't win. That's like meta guilt. So you've been guilty originally... 
and then you've been guilty about being guilty. Like this is multi-layered, unhealthy thought processes. Because obviously you're a great mum, and and that is, I understand why you would question it in the in the wee small hours when they're screaming their heads off and you're unable to find the solution to their problems. But I mean, being a baby must be really confusing and horrible, and you're completely unable to communicate what it is that's going on in your body you're like what the f is this i just want to listen to snip dog <laughs> and chill out come on yeah because everything's growing as well and you're experiencing everything for the first time like even trapped wind mm. now that is that is a pain like no other <laughs> i mean i get it as a 36 year old i feel like i'm dying yeah i think the, um, la- the last time i got it i was literally doubled over in a restaurant it was like years ago and I was like, "What's happening? Okay, I'm di- I'm dying. I'm dying. That's it. I have to go home. Something's ruptured. Something <laughs> has ruptured. I'm I'm folding in half. <laughs> so I can. So so it must be just terrible. But as a mother, all you want to do is take all of that away and make things better. So when you can't, you feel bad, and then when you get it wrong, you feel even worse. So it was just a little note to everybody out there. If you are a new mum and you're struggling, we all are, and just not to be so hard on yourself because. It was just the internal dialogue in my own brain of just telling me how useless I was was not helping the situation. And we always, (laughs) I've been been training people all day, so I'm still in like training mode. But we always encourage people to turn your inner critic into your inner coach. And it is easier said than done, obviously. But as soon as you get on that narrative train of... I'm terrible, why can't I do this? Why am I not like Sheila at number 24 who has this rosy, wonderful life and relationship with her son? Bloody Sheila. (laughs) Like, you know, all of these things. And as soon as you get onto that, it spirals and spirals when you have to, like you say, take a minute, (laughs) take a silent scream in the darkness (laughs) and then work out how to coach yourself back to feeling... Like you are doing your best and you are a good mum. And there also is no 100% right. There's no, <laughs> there's plenty of books, but there's no one official way to mum. <laughs> I think if you are out there and you're struggling and you're thinking, I'm not good enough, the fact that you're considering that and trying your best means you're doing a pretty, pretty good job, I'd say. Yeah, like... If you care enough to register that you want to be doing better, then that's that's a great start. It's not like Trumpian parenting. I am unquestionably the best. And <laughs> need no need no room for improvement. You know, you're recognizing you want to do better. You want to, you know, uh, give him a really good grounding in hip hop and rap of the nineties. <laughs> And use that as a painkiller. That's <laughs> a yeah. tool to get through mm. those tough teething times. But when 90s rap doesn't work out, the Mum Squad is here to offer some other helpful suggestions. My name is Lizzie and I've got a one-year-old called Cleo. Uh, teething is absolutely the worst and we've found no easy way around it, but just uh, lots of cuddles when she's going through teething, um, alternating urethane and cowpole giving her a finger to suck on and bite on 
um, but just really working as a team with your partner and trying to get through it. Fortunately, ours have only lasted a couple of days at a time, um, but it's just really rough. So sending support to all the other mums out there. Hi, I'm Lynn. For teething, I use raw, dark Baltic amber necklaces. I buy the ones that are knotted between each bead and they have the screw clasp. Um, amber apparently has natural healing properties. Um, I know they work as um, I took a four month old baby abroad and accidentally left hers in the car. She was very unsettled and constantly crying. After about six hours without her necklace, we eventually went to a chemist and bought another one. And within an hour, she was back to her usual happy, relaxed self. I've also had a child who had four teeth come through overnight and we didn't even know that they were teething. Um, I leave them on until all teeth are through. I have a two-year-old, two-year and five-month-old who is just getting his last two teeth and he still has his on. I am a foster mum and I have bought 27 necklaces. Hey Storm, um, teething, um, ibuprofen because it's it's better than paracetamol because it's anti-inflammatory so it um, reduces swelling in the gums and also ambersol liquid, not the gel, the liquid, just put a dab of it on your finger and rub it on his gums, it's quite potent but it really helps or at least it did with my three. Hiya Storm, um, my name's Tracy, I'm for Hamilton, uh, I'm a mummy too and I couldn't go without Ambersol liquid and a large gin when my boys were teething. Just to confirm that the gin was in fact for Tracy and not the baby. Tonight, just before I came on this podcast, I put Otis to sleep and I was just holding him in my arms after I fed him his milk and he'd fallen asleep. And I just left him there for, I was probably only about five minutes. But it was just glorious, just a little <laughs> mindfulness moment of how wonderful it is and how lucky I am to have him and how good we're actually doing in the grand scheme of things. Um, and it was, I was just, he's just so gorgeous. He's just so beautiful. <laughs> and it just, cuddling him makes the whole world seem right and okay and any troubles that you have just kind of any troubles that I had just melted away at that moment and I thought this is what it's all about this is this is it <laughs> that's the payoff <laughs> that is that is the pot of gold uh, at the end of the teething sickness pregnancy rainbow <laughs> that's yeah. that's what you're waiting for and I also think that actually because I come on here and I do moan a lot about the struggles with parenting because I think when you're in the trenches that's all you can think about but I can see that once you're past that you look back and you'll only remember the good memories and the good moments and the hard times and the struggles all sort of fade into the background because the end game was so worth it the same way with pregnancy Carol remind me that I was giving it never again that's it we're having one child and that's it and I'm not I can't do this again I don't know if I can deal with this I don't I can't do this for another four months I mean there was extreme mania in my pregnancy particularly <laughs> in the first trimester and, and and a little bit maybe at the end just because I had the gestational diabetes and I, I, I did find that quite difficult at times but I've forgotten about all of that I just forget about it because he's come along and he's so gorgeous and wonderful and I have other things now to worry about. <laughs> well, that's nice. But I want you to know that if I ever talk about having a second child, <laughs> I want you to send me episodes 
1 through 12 of this podcast <laughs> and all of the outtakes or the bits before we click record where I'm saying how miserable I felt and I want everybody that I know to remind me as well because Sandy made some quip earlier about having a second one and then ran out of the room and I was like yeah you better run <laughs> run run for your life <laughs> I think there was a point in my pregnancy I think it would be a nightmare now where I thought I really wish this was twins because that may not I'd only have to do this once and that would be a dream so I had that and I but even before I got pregnant people were like oh no no twins would be so hard and I always argued it's the same level of hard that you know right because you have you've never had a baby before mm -hmm. so it, it it's your first experience so you will only know that level of hard that's the bar set mm -hmm. and so I was still quite keen because then you would only have to do the pregnancy once there would be a family ready-made but because I'm so large and in charge at the moment, the idea of having two of them in there, two bunches of genetically modified bananas, I I could not cope. Like Sandy would be having to wheel me around. And God knows why that is the way it is. I think my organs have just decided to just lurch forward in a really unflattering manner and it may not just be the size that's an issue rachel here are our twin mum squad to set the record straight hi so i'm lisa i have 15 month old twins george and matilda and i apologize if it's very loud they like to be involved with everything um so one thing i would say to a mum who's like wishing she has twins is it is incredibly magical if you can imagine what it's like to hold one baby or if you're already a mum and you know that feeling, getting handed two babies after you've given birth is the most heartwarming, beautiful feeling in the world. However, there is a lot more obstacles you will face in your day-to-day -day life as a twin mum than you would as just having one baby. Um, I had two children first. When you have twins, every day, especially in the beginning, was a lot more about survival. However, being a swim mum, you do get part of a community of women that are incredibly supportive. Um, if you are pregnant with twins or you, um, you could possibly actually be going through IVF treatment and there's a possibility of twins, I highly recommend joining groups. Um, like the UK Twin Mum community and a few groups on Facebook or you've got Twins Trust. They support so many women um, and honestly I felt so supported throughout it. Hi there. So I've been pregnant twice and I have three children. So my first was a single pregnancy um, and I loved every minute of it. But from the moment, so my second pregnancy was with twins. And from the moment I got a positive pregnancy test, it's been hard. They're 15 months old now, and from the second of the test to now, it's been incredibly hard. And of course, there are moments when I enjoy, I enjoy them, and it's magical. But the majority of the time, it is really, really hard. The sickness was so bad that I had to take the anti-sickness tablets, which I didn't want to do. All through the pregnancy was hard. There was issues all the time. Um, one of my twins was really small and her head was small and they were concerned about her. 
Um, I just felt dreadful. I wasn't glowing. I was not glowing at all. Hi, Storm and Rachel. It's Fiona here, twin mum of 10-month-old boys. Everywhere you go, people tell you double trouble, double this, double that, but it really is true when um, twin mums tell you it is, it is double the love. Um, I'll start with the positives. Um, so the positives are that, yes, you do get to have twins, which in itself is such a blessing and an utterly amazing experience. The very fact that you get to feel two babies in your tummy um, and see two babies on a scan, I can't emphasise enough how emotionally invested you are in a twin pregnancy. Um, every single scan that you go to is so nerve-wracking but so amazing as well when, when you see two of those babies on the screen. The other big positive is that yes, you're right, you do only you do get to do pregnancy once if you only want two children which for most of us know um, is a great thing um, because pregnancy is hard. Um, however, there are a lot of drawbacks as well. Um, so a big one being that if you're having twins or even more than that, if you're having um, triplets or multiples, um, by the time you get 24 weeks into your pregnancy, you're the equivalent size of a 40 week singleton pregnancy so you can imagine what that is like which comes with a whole host of problems not to mention pelvic dysfunction back problems diastasis rectile like lots of things um, not to mention utter exhaustion for months and obviously the other drawback is it does come with like such a high-risk pregnancy um, you do get scans every four weeks you're consultant led and it's utterly amazing but every single appointment that you go to you are just so nervous um, that both of those babies are going to be okay. Scans are stressful but even more stressful when there's two and not everybody gets the news they were hoping for as Jenny explains. Hi my name is Jenny. I've had five pregnancies. Um, one of them was a twin pregnancy um, and I did end up um, losing one of my twins, although um, the twin died um, in uterus, um, so I still had to car carry it to the end. Um, the biggest thing I found, the difference in my twin pregnancy was all the feelings I had were almost doubled, so um, the hormones just seemed um, so much more intense and um, the biggest thing for me was the worry um, so at every scan you worry that they're both growing at the same rate and that that they're both okay so I found it um, a little bit more stressful than my single pregnancies. I think that's probably an understatement, Jenny, and thank you so much for sharing your story. It's actually just a reminder that no matter how hard it might be, if you're lucky enough to have a fairly complex free pregnancy, we should just be incredibly grateful. For any more information or if you need help dealing with baby loss, Tommy's is always a great place to start. Okay, on to something very different now, that age-old debate, nature v nurture. I don't know where I stand on like the nature nurture side of things because <clears throat> obviously because Sandy is 
adopted mm. like we have no idea what his birth parents are like what what sort of people they are but it's funny the differences between him and his adopted parents because he's like the most outgoing person in the world and would chat to anyone whereas parents I'd say are more reserved so I often wonder oh has that come from nature nurture yeah has that come from his biological parents what are they like it's it's interesting to have that bit of mystery how do you feel about that that you're giving birth to a baby and although you know all four of its grandparents it's absolute I'm not I'm not taking away anything from anybody. But there's two people out there that are genetically related to this child that you don't know. They're kind of unknown variables. Well, more more than two, because he has brothers and sisters that he doesn't know. So there is just mystery family out there. I mean, I find it interesting, and I respect his wishes that he has no interest in finding out more about them but I mean yeah. imagine me in the same situation I would have been like I must know it all you'd have their national insurance number I must have looked at every single Facebook album back to 2000s you'd have their genetic coding a whole medical history yeah yeah addresses account details from 2009 yeah I would have applied for jobs at their work <laughs> just yeah sent in my cv for jobs at their work just to find out uh but so for me it's 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 mad that someone would not have the curiosity or not have the urge to find it but he's just a happy guy as we've discussed a million times so he doesn't have like burning need for finding things out that potentially could upset him whereas I'm like let's just let's just find out I think that's why this has surprised me so much because I thought in doing this podcast with you that you would be doing all of the research because I've only known you as someone that does an extreme amount of research into everything so I thought you would be reading every book but you've been so relaxed during this whole process has that surprised you Yes, because I agree with you <laughs> and I reckon that if if you'd asked me a year or a few years ago how you felt, how you thought I would be or how I thought I would be pregnant, I would have said hyper <laughs> anxious and reading into everything and knowing everything and super prepared. But I feel like with age and a bit more self-knowledge... <laughs> I've realized that going in blind is better Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways because a lot of research, particularly for someone who's anxious about certain things, often goes to darker places than you need it to be. Like if I wanted to research into everything, I would be the expert in every congenital illness, in every life-threatening risk there was I would be being really hyper vigilant but I've in time realized that that serves me less well than trusting my body (laughs) trusting my body is like a hippie but it is (laughs) is true and trusting my body and also having faith that things will work out and even if they don't like you still have to deal with what happens when it happens even if you 
are prepared for it, even if you know yeah. all of the terrible things that could happen. And being anxious doesn't has never in the history of anything ever helped a situation. No, and it's and also <laughs> it's not the end of the world. You know, you can you can deal with things and work things out. Yes, I would like to know ahead things ahead of time. So I've done little bits of research, but not to the point that it would freak me out. And I think that's key. Yeah. That's the most important. I, I, I think whatever works for you in order to keep that anxiety down is perfect. Uh, right. So I'm away on holiday. I'm not going to get to speak to you for two weeks now. Um, and yeah, so I'll see you. You get a break from me and I'll see you on the other side. Yeah. What size will I be? <laughs> Bigger. Much bigger. Yeah. Ah, much bigger. Well, have the best holiday. I'm so jealous. I look forward to catching up and hearing all about it when you get back. I will do. Enjoy your pregnancy. See you later. Bye, 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 bye. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Join us next week when I am just back from my first holiday with Otis. And let's just say it didn't go as planned. Now, if you'd like to get involved in the podcast, follow me on Instagram at Storm Huntley and send us a voice note. Until next week, it's bye for now. <laughs>